0: All right, if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're gonna finish up. We're gonna land our series today, Free Indeed. And I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. It's our heart has been to see the people of God walking in what the heart of God is for you, which is for you to walk in freedom. And Jesus said in John chapter eight, he said, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Not kind of free, not sort of free, not maybe free. Free indeed. Free indeed. And listen, spiritual freedom is really this, it's being healed of and breaking free from anything that has or could potentially hold you back from running in freedom and faith towards the future that God has for you, his purposes, his presence, his promises, his people in every area of your life. God has a future for you. But there are things that we encounter, there are things that we that we fall into that can begin to hold us back or hinder us from moving again. The heart of freedom, the reason God wants us to be free is so that we can begin to run the race, move forward in faith and freedom towards the future that God has for us. The freedom of Jesus. Is comprehensive. In this series, we've been encouraging you. God wants to set you free from the pain of your past. He wants to set you free from condemnation and legalism. He wants to set you free from strongholds of sin. He wants to set you free from inner vows or word curses. He wants to set you free from mental strongholds so that it may be held you back from really believing that you are who God says that you are. He wants to set you free from generational iniquities, which we've been talking about for a couple weeks that are mindsets or patterns of behavior that may have unintentionally been modeled before you or handed down to you. The freedom of Jesus is comprehensive. Luke four, verse 18, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, and he says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. I've encouraged you with this truth throughout this series, that we oftentimes see that as kind of one concept of God came to set us free, Jesus came to set us free, but I believe that those are two very distinct things. Freedom for the prisoners and freedom for the oppressed. And in my life, I've shared with you, there were some things that I have done, I have said, I have thought with my own words, my own tongue, my own hands, that I actually would be deserving of the sentence that was due me, I, would, I, was, I deserved to be a prisoner because of my own sin, my own pride, my own rebellion. But then he said, I also came to set free those who have been oppressed. And that represents what I believe is things that were done to you that you never deserved, never expected but also are used of the enemy to put you in a place of bondage abuse neglect hurtful words whatever it is the good news is the freedom of Jesus is comprehensive i came to set people free jesus said who are in prison i came to set people free who have been oppressed That's his heart for you, that's our heart heart for you through this series. Listen, some of you are one revelation away, one reminder away from beginning to break free of something that has held you back or hindered you from running in faith and freedom towards the future that God has for you. The devil is a liar, Jesus came to make you free and not just kind of, sort of free, free indeed. But here's the thing, sometimes we have to be willing to leave some things behind. Don't you think it's amazing? that Jesus would encounter people multiple times throughout the New Testament, and he would ask them this question, do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna be well? And I don't think Jesus was wasting his words. I think Jesus understood that there's something in us that at some point has to get to the point that we begin to say, that thing in my life, that thing that's been holding me back, that thing that's been hindering me, that thing that I've been tethered to, that addiction, that anger, that unforgiveness, I am ready to become healed and set free from that thing. I'm not holding on to it anymore. Do you want to be free? Jesus recognized, come on, you want to be free. He recognized that there's going to be some things to move in faith and freedom towards the future God has for you, and listen, he has a future for you. There, I mean, I'm telling you, whether you've been, I'm looking around this room, there are some people who have been faithful to know and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in this house and in our community for literally decades. And there are some of you here who are just struggling, just, just, just asking God to show you that he is real and that he really loves you. And whether, whether you're in that camp or the other or anywhere in between, I'm telling you, God has a future for you. There's not one thing, not one circumstance, not one situation that you could tell me that you're up against in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, in your body, in your mind, in your heart, that I would not tell you, listen, there is a way if you will present that thing, that situation, that pain in the presence of a good God, there is a way for you to become set free and begin to once again run in faith and freedom towards the future God has for you. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. All right, turn, if, are you in Genesis chapter 12? Did I ask you to turn there earlier? Let's pray and let's get into the word. Father, thank you that that is your heart. That is your heart, your heart, Lord, through the, not just this series, but but all the time, Lord. It's for us to discover the grace of God, the power of God, and live according to the word of God in a way that allows us to be set free from the pain of our past, strongholds of sin, mindsets, inner vows, word curse, whatever it is that has held us back, that has caused us to think less of who we are in you or who you are to us, or we've built a, an idol in our heart, Lord, or we've held back or shrunk back in fear, Lord, because of something we've gone through, or, or we, we, we've been hurt or wounded or rejected God, and so we've just played it safe in life, Lord. Your heart is to set us free today, God. Your heart is that the people of God, every man, every woman, every young person begin to run a race of faith that you have laid out before us as we fix our eyes on Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that what's been spoken, what's been prayed, Lord, what's been presented from your word, God, throughout this series would have its effect. It would, it would take its place, Lord. It would, it would bring about, Lord, even if right now it's just a seed. In the due season, Lord, as it's watered in the hearts of your people, it would result in a harvest of righteousness and peace and joy and righteous living, Father, in the name of Jesus. And again, God, anyone who's here today who might be hurting or wounded or struggling or weak or weary in any situation, any area of their life, Lord, in their marriage, in their family, Lord. Lord, in their heart, their mind, with their hands, Lord, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Lord, your heart is to heal them, set them free today, God. Would you come and would you do it in a way that only you can do, God? We present our lives. Come on, people of God. I'm praying over us corporately, but right where you sit, would you just present your life? Would you open your heart? Would you say, speak to me, Lord? Speak to me, Lord. Would you strengthen me today, God? Would you strengthen me? Would you help me to become set free so I can begin to run my race in faith and freedom towards the future I have in you? In Jesus' name. And come on, all God's people said with a shout, amen, amen, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 12. And here's the scene. We have Abram being called by God. He's about to be renamed Abraham, the father of faith. Come on, who's grateful that some of the names that, the, that we were given in life earlier on, that the Lord has a way of coming into our life and renaming us? This one's a little bit subtle, but I'm telling you, there's some names and some labels that maybe people have tried to put on you or maybe you've even tried to put on yourself. Maybe even because of a legitimate thing that you did, a misdeed or an error or a sin or whatever, don't allow the enemy to brand you with your past. You might've done it, but that's not who you are. And God wants to come today and begin to rename you something different, something better, how he sees you. That's what's about to happen. God's about to call Abram out of the place where he's been towards the place that he has for him. And picking up in verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, other translations say your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. All through the series, as we've been talking about generational iniquities, we've said that without a doubt, God's word calls us to honor our father and our mother. We can realize that we have imperfect parents, imperfect family, and listen, if you have kids, you're an imperfect parent, just deal with it. But we can understand and realize that there are some things, there are some ways, regardless of whether you had really good parents that actually trained you up to know and fear and serve the Lord, or you had parents who were on the total other end of the spectrum, abusive or neglective towards you, or somewhere in between. We all had imperfect parents, we can honor them. But we can also realize what God is speaking to Abram here is true. That sometimes to move forward in freedom and faith towards the future God has for you, you're going to have to be willing to say, you know what? I appreciate some of the things from my upbringing. I appreciate some of the things from my past. But I'm realizing that to begin to move forward in faith and freedom towards the future, I got to be willing to step out of some things and step in to some new. That's what he's telling Abram. He's saying, listen, your family, I'm sure they were decent people, but they have settled in some ways. They've been worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars and he said, I'm calling you out from that place of worshiping the things of this world. I'm calling you to a place where you worship and know the most high God. By faith, not because of some religious things, but by faith i 'm calling you to be the Father of faith and i 'm telling you today, man of God, woman of God, he 's calling you out of a place and he 's calling you into something new and i don 't care where you 've been he even if you 're in a strong place in the lord you 've served him for many years, he desires for you to grow from glory to glory, from strength to strength he 's calling you out he 's calling you out he 's calling you up. But you got to be willing to say, yes, I'm willing to step out of some of those things, those comfort zones, those comfortable relationships, those places that I run to in that moment of pain, those circumstances. I'm beginning to have the faith to say no to some of the things that might even be good, to say yes to some things that are definitely God. He said, you got to be willing to get up, and you got to be willing to get out, and you got to be willing to go to a new place of faith. You can't, you can't continue to think the way. You can't continue to worship the way that you have before and that you've been taught or raised up in, there's a new season, there's a fresh season, there's a new place of intimacy and relationship that I have for you. So why would God have to call Abram to this? And you turn the page back and you can see, I'm gonna preach the second half of the message that I brought two weeks ago. And we have to read this to set the groundwork for the message today, which is moving forward in freedom and faith, not settling in anything less than God's best, his freedom. Free indeed, not kind of free, not sort of free, free indeed. We tend to settle for just kind of a, an element of freedom or an occasional freedom. It might take a while, In some ways, God does a work in our life that sets us free just like this. I mean, I've experienced it in my own life, something where God, just one word from God, one moment with him, and I mean, I was set free just like that. There's some other areas in my life where I have and continue to have to begin to do what God's word says, which is resist the enemy while submitting to God. And that eventually is you're submitting to God, which is his word, his will, his, his ways, his heart speaking and declaring, partnering with what his word is and what, his, what he declares over your life and all the while resisting the enemy, recognizing where those, those places where the enemy comes in and tries to lie or trick or deceive or lead you astray as you're submitting to God's word, as you're resisting the enemy, the Bible says eventually the enemy will flee. It might take a while for you to walk in the fullness of what it means to be free indeed, but I'm telling you, if you'll keep submitting to God and resisting the enemy, you will look up one day and you will realize this battle has been won and I am walking in the freedom that God intends for me. Amen. So in Genesis 11, we see something. There's this, this is a powerful prophetic story. It's powerful. And we can see why when you turn the page, it's all one story. We just put page numbers and chapter numbers to it. You see, when you turn the page to Genesis chapter 12, why God would have to call Abram to step out, to get out. And it says in verse 27, Genesis 11, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abraham, who would become Abraham, Nahor and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot, but Haran died. Haran was one of the sons. Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living Paraphrase it for you, Tara and his wife experienced the death of a child. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago and because this is so powerfully emotive and emotional and connected to some people because many people have experienced this, it bears repeating that I don't know that there's a group of people that I have more appreciation and admiration for than people who have lost a child, whether it was miscarriage or stillborn or a sickness or an accident, who have lost a child and have grappled with that pain and that anger that you, were, you would inevitably feel towards the Lord and who come out on the other side willing to continue to serve and trust God. That's right. That's right. And my own family, my grandparents experienced it. And I watched them deal with it and I watched them come out on the other side still faithful in serving the Lord. It was before my time, but one of my uncles was killed tragically in a motorcycle accident on the family farm that involved some of the other brothers. And I'm just telling you today that whether you lost a child in, in miscarriage or stillborn or an accident or a disease, I'm telling you today that Life on this side of eternity, whether it is a couple of moments or the full allotment of the 120 years that God's word says he has allotted to man to live, which by the way has proven to stand up as a pretty good scientific standard for the length of human life, regardless of, of whether you live a few moments or that full allotment, life on this side of earth is fleeting. And God will heal your heart if you'll turn your, you gotta present your pain in the presence of God. God is not, faith does not mean that you will not have problems. Faith is the invitation to take those problems, every situation, every circumstance, and present them into the presence of God. Say, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. My uncle who was killed in that accident just a week after they had buried him and put him in the ground. I mean, again, like, can you imagine? I mean, that's something that no one should have to go through. They received a letter from Billy Graham Ministries, addressed to Master Danny Sneeterjohn. They opened it up and it said, Master Danny, we are so thankful that last week, following our televised crusade, that you called to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are writing this letter to encourage you to get involved in a Bible-believing church, and this and that. My grandparents opened that letter and they knew for sure that Danny had given his life to Jesus. Listen, I have no, perhaps no greater admiration or appreciation than for the group of people who have had to deal with the loss of a child and have come out on the other side faithful to love and serve the Lord. That's what happened to Terah and their family. Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans while while Terah was still living. And so that's the context of what we're about to read, verse 31, and it says, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, who would become Sarah, and his grandson Lot and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. Catch this, he was headed for the land of Canaan, which was the land of promise. Is it possible that maybe Abram was just the first generation to actually follow through on going out of some things and out of some places and out of some patterns into a new place of faith? That the original invitation might not have even just been given to Terah, but to the generation before and the generation before. And listen, what that speaks to you today is that it doesn't matter how you were raised or where they came from or, or what they did to you. Today, you can be the generation that stands up and says yes to the invitation to know and serve and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. And it says right here, it says that Terah actually was headed towards Canaan. But watch, it says, well, when they came to Haran, to Haran, they stopped And settled there. And isn't it just like the enemy to take you through a place that reminds you of the pain of your past? They took you, they they brought them through a place that was named the same name of the child that they had lost and the faith that they had to move forward in freedom and faith towards the future, the promised land, the place of Canaan. They settled in the place of pain. Two weeks ago, we talked about it. We dug into it in depth. If that's something that you're dealing with, go back and listen to that message. Today, I want to move on and encourage you with four other ways that we tend to settle. Four other places. In fact, that's the, that's the way this all ties together. These are five places we tend to settle in the journey towards the promises of God for our life. And number one is that place of pain. Number one is that place of pain. And listen, in Romans chapter eight, from a few weeks ago, we talked about this. It bears repeating because it's a powerful principle. In Romans chapter eight, Paul's writing, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced. Listen, he says, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Say that word, convinced. He's saying, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, catch that, mark that, nor any powers, height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, neither the present nor the future can separate us from the love of God. Do you know what's missing there? Do you notice what's missing? The past. The past. Maybe it's because the past really can and has separated many people from the promises and purposes of God. Maybe it's because what, what Paul said is really true. I haven't apprehended it all, I haven't attained it all, but there's one thing I've understood is really critical to this life of faith, and that's forgetting the things that are behind me, moving forward to the promises of God for my life. The present nor the future cannot stop you, but I'm telling you, if you do not deal with the pain of your past, it can stop you from moving forward in freedom and faith towards the future God has for you. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21... Paul says, I don't want to hear you bragging about yourself or anyone else. He's talking about these extravagant gifts that God has made available to us as believers through Jesus Christ. And he says, everything is already yours. Another translation says, everything belongs to you as a gift from God. And he goes on and he says, these men who have been given to the church, these, he says, Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, and watch what he says, the present and the future, they all, all of it is yours. Whoa! whoa, wait a minute. Once again, we see that there's something missing here. The past is missing. The present, the future, they belong to you. But what is missing is the past. Why? Because the past doesn't belong to you. It was purchased by Jesus at the cross of Calvary. It belongs to him. It's why it's illegal for you to go and try to live or stay camped in the pain of your past because Jesus came and paid a high price, shed his blood to purchase it. And I shared it a few weeks ago. It's just like at a garage sale. How many of you have garage sales? How many of you, you, um, when your wife or husband, I guess, says you're going to have a garage sale, you run for cover, you run the other way. You know, it's like, I'm out of town that weekend. Go ahead and have it. Actually, I can't leave town when we have a garage sale because I have to go to the garage sale and buy back all my things that my wife is trying to sell. The past doesn't belong to you quit trying to go and repossess something that doesn't belong to you. You can't settle in the place of pain. Number two, you can't settle in a place of failure. You can't settle in a place of failure. Listen, many of us, I see it all the time, Christians who have stepped out, they tried to start a business, they tried to go to school, they tried marriage, they tried serving in the church, something went wrong, something didn't go the way that they expected to, and now they're playing it safe on the sidelines of life. And I'm telling you, you cannot afford to settle in a place of failure. And with God, when you're living by faith, listen, faith is going to actually, by its nature, lead you to some places where you experience what the world might call failure. Because you are stepping out into an unseen realm, partnering with God to do things that, that, that you can't do in your own strength. If you're going to do and you're going to go and you're going to chase all the things that God has for you, you've got to be willing to embrace that I don't fail, I simply learn. And by faith, whenever the world looks and says that's a failure, I am failing and falling forward. I'm moving forward. I might fail. Look, look. the Bible says it so clearly. The Bible says, Proverbs twenty-four sixteen. for a righteous man, this isn't talking about worldly people or heathens. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he or she will rise again. The righteous person, that's you and that's me, may fall seven times, but come on, because God's with us and by our side and he's just teaching us and training us. And listen, how many of you know you can learn more from the failures than you can the the successes? Fail forward and don't settle in a place of failure. Listen, I, I don't know if you like sports, but I do. And Here's, this is powerful. This is amazing. If you Google worst three-point performance of all time and if you Google best three-point performance of all time, you're going to get the same individual. His name is Steph Curry. November of 2016, against the Los Angeles Lakers, he set the NBA record for three-pointing futility going 0 for 10. He had missed nine consecutive three-pointers and he still thought, oh, that's a pretty good idea. I think I'm gonna shoot again. <laughs> it's been a couple years, but I play basketball with some church guys out there and I have a feeling that after about 0 for 5, I would have been riding the pine fast, you know, like. The contribution I would have been making to the team would have been a gift of exhortation and encouragement from The Bench, <laughs> the place called The Bench. very next game against the pelicans which by the way that what what a what a fearsome mascot that is right like the pelicans (laughs) (laughs) we're the pelicans and we will peck you to death baby (laughs) (laughs) the very next game after setting the nba record for three-point shooting futility that same Young man set the NBA all-time record for three-pointers with 13 three-pointers in one game, going 13 out of 17. The very next game, let me just ask you a question: After going 0 for 10 and seeing all in the headlines, I mean, it led Sports Center 0 for 10, 0 for 10, 0 for 10. It was in the headlines of the newspapers. How many of you, how many of us, would have been hesitant to shoot another three-pointer ever again? You got to keep shooting. You gotta keep shooting. Listen, you will miss, here's a promised fact, you will miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You gotta get back in the game. Where is it that you went 0 for 10 and God's calling you to get back in? And maybe there's a, a time coming that God is gonna redeem something and maybe they might still be able to Google the failure But they'll Google something different and and your name will come up because you understood what God's word says. A righteous person can fall and fail seven times, yet they keep up, they keep getting up and they keep moving because God is with you and God is for you. Someone ought to say amen. Amen. Number three, you can't afford to settle. Say don't settle. settle. Remember, that's what we're talking about. they settled. They came to that place and they settled. And freedom is moving forward in faith and freedom towards the future that God has for you. Overcoming sin, overcoming mindsets, overcoming those iniquities, overcoming anything that's held you back or hindered you from moving forward in faith. And number three is closely tied to number two. We can't settle in a place of failure. Number three, you cannot afford to settle in a place of success. I'm gonna make a strong statement. I know this is a strong statement, but listen to this. Hear this. Many people in America are in bondage because of blessing. We're like the church in Revelation chapter three, I think it was the church of Laodicea where the angel of the Lord wrote the letter and he said, you say I am rich and he's talking about physical things. You've got everything that you need and so you no longer need me. And he says, "You, you don't realize, he said, you got all these things, you're materially, you are blessed. And he says, you don't realize that you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. That's Jesus just kind of putting it bluntly for people right there. And there's a bunch of people in our culture and listen, we gotta, walk. we gotta be careful that we don't become the same way. In bondage because of blessing. Listen, one of the hallmarks of spiritual maturity, how much can God bless you with and you still desperately need him in your life? How much can God release to you and you still run to him? How much can God provide to you and you still pursue him? What can God provide to you and you still live for knowing him just a little bit more every day? Matthew 5 verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. let Let me just say something here. God loves to bless his people. Poverty and lack are not virtues in the kingdom of God. We need people who walk in the Abrahamic covenant, the blessing of God that we now have according to Galatians through Christ Jesus. Listen, there's a powerful force. The Bible says that it is God who gives you the ability and the power to create wealth. We need people prospering who are kingdom-minded, kingdom-building, kingdom-building kingdom-advancing, tithing, generous people. We need the blessing of God. We don't need to shy away from it. Let me say it again. Poverty and lack are not virtues in the kingdom of God. But the the challenge is this, how much can God bless you with and you won't use it against him or allow it to cause you to no longer desperately need him? I'm just telling you, it's a hallmark of spiritual maturity. Can you desperately need God when your body is healthy? Can you desperately need God when your bank account is full? Can you desperately need God when the marriage is going well? Can you desperately need God in a time of provision and abundance? How much can God bless you with and you still stay hungry for him? If I have everything, but I don't have him. Number four, and I know this is gonna challenge some people, but so just get your toes ready. We can settle in the place of the cross. Oh, Pastor T, what do you mean by that? I mean this that many people have become satisfied and complacent with the ticket to heaven. And they don't press in to become the spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Bible Bible knowing, scripture quoting filled with the power of heavens, uh, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, kingdom building, devil stomping, believer, man man or woman or young person of God that Jesus really came to die to make you to be on this side of eternity. I'm grateful that I'm going to heaven. But the clear mandate in God's word, if you read it for the believer, is actually bringing heaven to earth. And to do that, you can't camp out in the shadow of the cross. You gotta pick up your cross and you gotta daily follow God. You can't afford to settle in a place of pain. You can't afford to settle in a place of failure. You can't afford to settle in a place of success or prosperity. You can't afford to settle in the, in the shadow or the place of the cross. you got to understand, God saved me for a purpose. There are people in my life that now need what I have and what I know. That there's a God who loves and a God who cares and a God who sees and a God who's been with me every step of the way when I get real with him about the pain of my past or the struggles in my marriage or the debt that I'm trying to, when I get real with God is not even when he finds out about all that, but when I turn to him and I say, I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior, there's a God who comes and welcomes me back home and cleanses me and washes me clean and makes me whole and makes me new. And then his desire is to once again, fill me with the power of the spirit of God, teach me how to walk in the authority of Jesus. Jesus where I am begin to build the kingdom of God and take as many people with me to heaven don't settle come on as a church let's let's be Christ followers let's not just be church tenders man of God that don't I mean listen I'm grateful there's there's a place where we just got to start and just start taking one step at a time and what that oftentimes look like is just loading up the family and bringing them to church but I'm telling you, there's a, there's a call, there's an invitation, there's an opportunity and there's an empowerment where you don't have to do it in your own strength. Where, listen, men of God, where you become a man of prayer and a man of worship and a man of the word and you are leading and speaking, prophesying and pastoring your family and your wife and your children. And listen, maybe you say, well, it's too late for me. I missed the boat on that. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. And your kids still need to hear you speaking and praying and prophesying and declaring and encouraging and calling out their purpose in God, whether, even if they're grown and gone away. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power, say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Matthew 18 says, whatever you, not your neighbor, not your elders, not your deacons, not your center school teachers, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a life of authority that God wants to build. There's a life of, of power and empowerment that God wants to lead you to. If you'll just pursue him and chase after him. Number five, lastly, this is where we'll land. You can't afford to settle in a place of rejection. You can't afford to settle in a place of rejection. Because love and acceptance are our greatest needs, rejection is oftentimes our greatest pain. The rejection of a spouse, the rejection of a business partner, the rejection or perceived rejection in church community, or I mean, whatever it is for you, because... Love and acceptance are two of our greatest needs. Rejection is oftentimes the place of our greatest pain. You can't get from people what you can only get from God. And in fact, would you go ahead and stand on your feet and let's just respond to this. Jeremiah 31.3 said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's unending Hebrews 13 5 is quoting the Old Testament says therefore he himself Jesus himself has said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you you look up the word never in the Greek and you know what it means never (laughs) I mean never tell me a circumstance tell me a a bad decision tell me a poor choice tell me something that went off the rails tell me any of those I mean just tell me The love of the world, the acceptance of the world, the acceptance of people, even good people, even Christian people, sometimes it's fickle. He says, my love's not that way. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I don't care what you go through. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you find yourself. Call out to me because I am not that way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, we don't have to settle in a place of pain. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to settle in a place of failure where we stepped out and tried it. We stepped out and did it. It didn't go our way. It didn't go the way we thought that it was going to. Thank you, Lord, that we would guard our hearts against settling in a place of complacency. We're content with many things that you've done in our life, but we're not stopping there, Lord. We know that you desire, Lord, to lead us on and lead us forward. And more than anything, we want you, more of you, more of you. You're limitless and unending, Lord. And every day, Lord, in times of blessing and in times of adversity, we desire more of you, more of you. Lord, we won't settle for just our ticket to heaven through Jesus Christ. We're grateful. Eternity is really long. We're thankful for that. But Lord, on this side of eternity, Lord, we're pressing in. We're pressing in. We don't want to settle in the shadow of the cross. We want to take up our cross. We want to begin to run the race. We want to begin to live the life. We want to begin to lead the people. We want to begin to serve the church. We want to begin to operate in the gifts. We want to begin to do the things that allow your kingdom to be revealed and manifest in the lives of people starting in our homes, in this church, in our workplaces, in our community. We're not going to settle there. We're not going to settle there. And Lord, thank you that you have accepted us with all our warts and wrinkles and errors and sin and you've loved us with an everlasting love and the fear and the pain of rejection that many of us have felt the sting of rejection the sting of rejection come on I don't know that there, there's probably not one person I think you start feeling that about the third grade <laughs> there's not one person who doesn't know that, that feeling the sting of rejection I'm telling you today, the love of Jesus Christ is perfect. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And the cross of Jesus Christ is is God's forever declaration and stamp on the world that says, I accept you, not because of what you could do, but because you just put your faith in my son. And so Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for freedom today. Thank you for lasting freedom, free indeed. Not kind of free, not sort of free, free indeed. And listen, lastly, before we pray, we worship, we dismiss you, get you about your day. The most important thing we'll do today is give you an opportunity to receive the acceptance of a heavenly father through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today or you're joining us online and you once knew God, once served God. Maybe you once were even involved in the church. But life has happened. You've become busy or distracted or maybe you've just settled or maybe you've never experienced the free gift of salvation, the weight of all of your guilt and sin and shame and condemnation, every error, every misdeed lifted off of your shoulders, all that weight, gone removed according to God's word as far as the east is from the west. Come on, that's a long ways. That's the message of the gospel. That's the invitation to you today, to you today. You're not here by accident. You're not hearing this by accident. You're not clicking or checking in on YouTube by accident. You're doing it because there's a heavenly father who's calling you, who's longing for you to come home to him. His arms are open wide and he's waiting to welcome you back into a place of relationship that transcends religion and any of its failures. If that's you today, right now, lift your hand. Don't wait, don't wait. Say, that's me, that's me, that's me. That's me, I need to come home. I need to come back to God. That's me, I need to be forgiven and, 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 and washed clean all the stuff that's happened in my life that I can't make right. That's me, that's me. Lift your hand, just lift your hand. If you're online, I think you should even lift your hand. I know you might not be with anyone. You're not responding to a preacher, you're responding to a father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you raised your hand, you can lower it. Here's what we're gonna do quickly. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it for two reasons every week. So one is to come alongside precious people who raise their hand and just affirm to them there's a spiritual family, brothers and sisters in Christ who wanna come alongside you. Two, we pray it every week because we recognize, we realize even as we're growing in maturity, growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. Everything and anything that God can build in our life of faith, it all goes back to the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. So let's come on, say this with maybe a fresh appreciation today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way I might have a new life, a fresh start. And Lord, I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, come on, declare it with everything in your heart. Say, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. And come on, put your hands together with all of heaven for the precious people who came home to Jesus. Hey, come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today.